For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're looking live at the John Tazi Electronic Trading Center at the University of Michigan. Joel Alconin here with a little different pre-market prep show. Let's run things down real quick. We're in the red by 21 handles at 37.9850. We'll just be keeping an eye on that closing price from yesterday, 1950. That's our hurdle. We have crude in the red by 79 cents at 88.29. Can't get through that 90 bucks. Gold in the red by 11.80 at 16.5380. Can't get back over 1700. Silver silver in the red by 21 cents at 19.27. Bitcoin can't clear 21. That's down $505 at $20,215. And Ethereum, that's taking it more on the chin, down over 4% at $1,499. That's down to $67. All right, let's get pre-market prep started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Alconin. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, folks. Here we are, as I said, at the University of Michigan, the John Tazi Electronic Trading Center. Let's bring in Triple D, who's probably tearing up that keyboard and money, Mitch. Triple D, how is the after hours and pre-market treating you? All right. Uh, Dennis should be joining us in quite a little second here. Looks like he's getting his camera on, but excited to get into it. Looks like uh, Joel is on the road. Taking yeah. the show on the road. I love yeah. it. Yep. They they let me out of the house. Uh, we got the uh, the big Michigan-Michigan State game tomorrow. Going to be up here for that. Uh, but uh, we got to get – we got to look at the markets here. And, um, well, I see a little bit of green. I see Apple. Can Apple save the day for us? That's up uh, a buck oh two. Triple D, how you doing? Uh, doing okay. It's been a hectic morning here, so just running around. The furnace wasn't working here again, so you get a new house and stuff just doesn't seem to work, so always fun. 
So we're trying to get the bugs out of it. So anyways, dealing with that, it's cold here and uh, it's just starting to warm up. So I think I got the furnace here working now. I well, you were looking for a uh, disastrous Q3 earnings season. You've been preaching yep. about it for a couple weeks here now. And yep. uh, now it's come to fruition. Yep. We're back at 3,800. I mean, you know, we tried to rally this week. Is there is there any hope, Triple D, is that we can turn yet? I mean, is there any yeah. chance? I mean, I see Apple up a buck oh nine. We can go over that report and just a minute or so but uh is there still the wicked rotation going on yeah. i see i see bristol myers up pepsi up coke up what are you seeing in rotation land yeah no it's the same thing so this is the good news for the market it is finding reasons to stay up and that is because the rotation continues the rotation from high pe to low pe so also obviously the rotation from growth to value that is still in play it was in play big time yesterday so, you know, you look even like a stock like Gilead, well, reported earnings overnight. I don't even care what the report was. It's, it's just the kind of stock that they want to buy right now. That's the kind of stock that they're looking, you know, lower PE. Um, so you've got that cushion, you know, and that's what I think, you know, this market is going to continue to be. You know, I was tweeting yesterday. I mean, this might not just be um, a market that, you know, is going to jump right back into tech. You know, if we look back to 2001, 2002, after the tech bubble burst, you had a rotation to value in low PE stocks for about five years. So we have these pockets where growth is in favor or value is in favor. This year, this has been the value year. So we're not like we just started this yesterday. It started, you know, at the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. They started rotating out of the nosebleed valuation into lower. And you can see it. There's a lot of obviously stocks that are trading much, much higher, and some that are close to all-time highs, but those things all have one in common, one thing in common. Their value stocks are low PE stocks. So I don't think this is just, you know, a, a thing, you know, for the last nine months, eventually we're going to go back to tech. And it, it, it's the environment that's It's here different. to stay. It's here it's, to stay. It's here to stay until interest rates start to come back in. Exactly. So as soon as they started raising interest rates like they did, it was a tip-off to get out of the high growth and to get into, you know, cash now. And why is that? If you just think logically about it, if you go into an environment where, you know, higher interest rates are happening or inflation is happening, future earnings are worth a lot less than earnings now. And that's because those dollars in the future are not worth as much in an inflationary environment or with interest rates. So when you're buying growth stocks, you're buying future earnings. Those earnings are worth less. So then you start going through and you start thinking, okay, well, if that's the case, then, you know, it's it's an environment where if you can get, you know, more cash right now, the cash cows stocks that are making money right now, lower PE stocks right now, though that money you're getting right now, and then you can do something with that money. So it all makes sense. And it all comes back to the Fed once again. So if the Fed pivots, if the Fed starts to say, hey, you know, okay, we think we've got inflation in check, and all of a sudden, we're going to slow the pace of rate rises. That changes the narrative overall. And then you could start seeing the rotation come back into growth to value or or from from value to growth. So I don't think you jump in until you start, one, seeing inflation come in into the growth names, or two, you actually get some Fed speak that says, hey, we've raised it enough now, even though inflation hasn't come in as much as we'd like, we think it's going to. So you need a Fed Fed pivot. 
Let me, yeah, All we right. do, and we don't see it coming anytime soon. Uh, pre-market high in Gilead is 74.35. I'm looking at my dailies, and there's a couple tops over 74. So don't get Comcasting on this. This is a big, thick stock. This is a very big move for it. So let's keep an eye. Let's see if some paper stacked up at 74, uh, 74 and a quarter. And just real quick, just as like the, the buy, buy, buy mentality with Gilead, yeah. Don't you feel that mentality? Like, I mean, Apple's a little bit different, but like, did Amazon even have a chance? And I don't want to go into the whole report because I'm going to no. bring on, I'm going to bring on our, our first guest today. We're going to go with three guests and then we're going to get to Amazon and uh, Aaron, our, my trusty producer, Aaron Thomas is going to get me uh, set up here and I'm bringing in Kai Patanian and uh, he is the trading floor manager here. So let me switch my, my setup here for one second. Welcome back. I have Kai Patanian here, uh, a mentor of uh, many of Futures Wall Street's titans. Uh, Kai, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me here. Okay. Thanks for coming here. Yeah. So tell us about the Tazi Trading Center, when it started, and um, how long you've been You've been here since the beginning, correct? Uh, so I actually started working here around 25 years ago, but around 22 years ago, we were one of the original trading floors in the country, one of the original 12. Now there's around 200 labs, but this was one of the original ones in uh, this is the third version of that lab, and it was uh, a donor, John Tazi, he gave a bunch of money towards it, and, and we built the lab. Um, but yeah, the lab, it's open to everyone at the school, doesn't matter what class, club, grade you're in, all U of M students are welcome to come in here. And so it's it's open. How many how many different clubs and estimated how many so, different students so we use have, this lab? So we have around seven investment clubs that come in here on a weekly basis, and then there's about another half dozen or so that come in at least once or so. So yeah, about a dozen clubs that come through here. And then we also have a class in here that meets called the Maize and Blue Fund. It functions like a class slash club. And in there, they manage part of the U of M endowment, actually. Okay. All right. And uh, we could get into that a little bit. We'll get into that yeah. uh, a little bit with our next guest, um, um, Eric Brand, but uh, our, actually it's our second guest. But uh, I mean, just tell us about what the students, what do they do when they come in here? What kind of access, what kind of information do, do they have access to? So we basically, we have uh, Faxit and Bloomberg. And the total cost in here, if you were to pay full price, you're talking about over $100,000 worth of soft drug at each computer in here. So, I mean, we don't pay that much, but that's what it's worth. Um, but it's certainly looking, people are looking up stocks and doing valuation and DCF models and all that kind of stuff. But it also appeals to people trying to get like international data on countries, uh, macro type data, also corporate strategy and marketing data. And they're trying to get supply chain data. Uh, so it's not just stocks, even though that's the big portion of it. Uh, but yeah, people are coming through and getting tons and tons of data. Now, for actual trading, um, no, I mean, I mean, I know with the endowment, and yeah. we'll get into that with the Maze and Blue Club. But do you have, like, is there any simulated trading yeah. going on? Yeah, here? we do. We do. We have, um, we have um, a Rotman trading platform, University of Toronto. Uh, we use that to teach class, helping teaching classes and stuff like that. We have a class, a sales and trading class, where students are actually graded on how well they do. And so you can imagine if you're you want to take a really big bet. Uh, you, you make a lot of money. You get a plus, and you know, you know, you lose a bit. Maybe don't get as high. Uh, but so, so there are actually classes that that you know use this software. Also, clubs we use it in the clubs as well. So we we do have simulated trading platforms, and we certainly get the quotes and stuff from the markets as well. 
Okay. And yeah. uh, just talking about, uh, you know, the, the long-term history um, of the, of the fund of the, the students been managing, which yeah. has changed on a year to year basis. So it's, it's fluctuates a lot based on students because the students are the ones who vote on the stocks. Um, okay. They basically come in October, November. They're, right now, they're going to start looking at the stocks soon and, and judging if they want to kick any of them out. We started with $95,000 20-some years ago. Uh, we got another $10,000 donation, but that $95,000 grew to around $600,000. Uh, $601, and uh, we've, I, I was looking at this, we beat the S&P 500 this year to date by only 0.2%. But that's, you know, <laughs> everyone's getting hit, and, you know, but, uh, but, you know, I'm happy about that. But on average, we beat the S&P 500 by about 3.8% a year. So, you know, we're, we're, happy about that and what what would you say to like a prospective business student you know like the you recruit football you recruit in basketball you know all the different other sports what would you tell them about you know the ross business school and the tazi electronic uh trading center here to like you know to get them to put down that michigan hat on the day of recruiting. i mean you're, you're using the professional software in here so you know you are using some of the top of the line kind of stuff and it's certainly the professional software in here. So you are using that, um, but it's good to, it's a very action-based environment. And it's better that you learn, I say this, it's better you learn your mistakes here. Uh, the, the market, it's it's not for, I, I don't, it's not exactly for, for, for perfectionists. You know, you want to make your mistakes. Oh, know you know that. what I mean? Like, oh, I mean, you're, 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 you know, if you're right more than you are wrong, and if you're right before you're wrong, you know, that's that's good. And, and it's, and if you can handle some of that, you're, your mistakes as well or you know when you get some and stuff if you're wrong. in the most important thing if you know you're wrong yes you know what you yep. do that well you gotta be honest you gotta be absolutely honest about you know uh, that's right. one thing about the markets the results are right in front of you and oh yeah your <laughs> so we've been on with uh, kai patanian he uh, has been the trading floor manager here since the inception here at the uh, tazi center uh great having you kai and uh, thanks for having hope, me we hope to do some more broadcasts from here thanks for having us i hope you come come back okay How'd I do, guys? Pretty good. I'm playing, I'm playing uh, mute mic with Dennis over here. But, uh, yeah, not bad. Uh, <laughs> exciting to see uh, that same kind of floor. I mean, I had that a similar experience uh, out of UCF where I, I went to those kind of business rooms, went on, learned how to use the Bloomberg terminal. I mean, there's nothing better, really, than really starting to learn and, and build some experience, right? That's where I really started doing my first, you know, paper trades and trying to figure out what this whole trading environment really took. And so uh, glad to see you there, Joel. Yep. Uh, yeah. Before we get to the stocks, I just, uh, before I forget, I just want to give a big shout out to uh, AT, uh, Aaron Thomas. Uh, you guys know how inept I am on computers and doing and setting everything up. And uh, he met me here at 6.30 this morning and uh, we got everything out. So a uh, great shout out, uh, Mitch, you also helping me out. But uh, let's get to stocks. Triple D, what what report you want to hit first? Well, I mean, we were talking Gilead just before we got um we before we had our guest there. So I think we should go back to that because it's a good example of the rotation. But just before we get to that, we had a good question from the chat too. And I was I've addressed this the last couple of days, but I want to address it again. It's a very good point. Somebody's saying, Well, low PE is US Steel X. Why is that going down? Um, it's a different story too. And it's not really going down as much as a, you know, you can look at what the S and P's have done here in the last month and you know, U.S. Steel is kind of just following along in that, those footsteps. It's cyclical. So it's a mm -hmm. different type of business. Like when we talk about Gilead, we're talking about a business that's not cyclical. People are buying drugs, you know, no matter what. 
when you talk about consumer staples, it's not as cyclical as well. I mean, there's different businesses that are cyclical. So you've got to consider that, um, that just because it has a low P of six doesn't mean it's always green light. You go into a recession and all of a sudden those earnings from U.S. Steel all of a sudden start going negative and you're like, whoa, what just happened? The PE obviously goes and explodes or if it goes negative, it, it doesn't even become meaningful. So you have to consider what you're buying as well. So the questions I'd be asking, if you think this rotation is going to continue, I'm not saying it's going to, but this is what's been happening over the course of the last nine months. And I think it could continue for a lot longer than a lot of people think. We've got to ask yourself, are the earnings flow sustainable? You know, is it a reasonable valuation? Is the business cyclical? Is it just benefiting from, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we've been in, you know, an, an inflationary environment and obviously maybe they've passed through like a McDonald's. You've got to ask all those questions, but it's not just like low PE buy. Nothing is that simple. The market obviously is gravitating to lower PE, but you've got to kind of open up the hood and look underneath it and know your businesses. And the ones that are cyclical, I'd be somewhat cautious on. I mean, the energy stock's been bought because they have low PEs. But they're cyclical businesses too. And eventually those could turn. So I'd be cautious just saying, okay, ExxonMobil's eight. I'm going to buy that today. Well, the business, if we go into a recession, will start to come back in too. So there's lots of questions. Nothing is that simple. But overall, other things being equal, equal, this market has gravitated to lower PE as opposed to higher PE. I want to make this just, uh, uh, just comment on X here. I yep. mean, it's not the best in breed. I mean, it no, all. No. And uh, you look at this, and a, a lot of times we talk about, I mean, are there better, if, if you want to be in the steel sector, do you want to be an X? I mean, you know, look at the monthly chart in that thing. I mean, it, uh, horrible. It had that crazy top, what, 2008. It's just very volatile, volatile with earnings. Now I'm looking at this steel dynamics here, STLD, and this thing's knocking on the door of the new all-time high. Uh, new core. So if you can't just slap that label on it, that it's a, it's a low PE, you got to look at the historical performance of, yes, of these issues and kind of like also, um, you know, getting away from the steel a little bit like the airlines. Have the airlines ever been great long-term holds just pre-pandemic and post-pandemic? So I think that's really one thing you got to, you got to take into consideration when you're looking at the, look at the stock, look at the monthly chart. And then it will tell you, I mean, if you're in it for a trade, if you're in there for a swing trade or a day trade or a scalp or something, it's a different thing. But I really think it's important to keep an eye on the, the historical patterns. Uh, oh, for sure. And Nucor, you know, I always like best in breed as well. And Nucor, obviously, I've had my long-term portfolio for the better part of a decade. I've hedged it recently and I hedged it right in this price at 135. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. It's, it was a January hedge. So I hedged it into the new year. Uh, by doing the calls and the puts, people ask how you do that. We sell the call and buy the put at the same strike, and it's a market neutral position. So that's a pure hedge, you know, just going to put call parity. Um, sometimes I do that just to hedge out because I don't know what I want to do. And then I, I can just lift the hedge and not realize the gain in January if, if I'm liking the market again, or I can push it along. It's a way to not, you know, obviously lock in that gain, you know, right away. So, you know, something I've had in the long-term portfolio. So there's different ways you can hedge stuff. You can just buy puts too. It's another way to hedge it too. I hate buying flat out puts in a big yeah, environment. Just a, That's why I sell a call timing. against it too, yeah. to yep. try to bring the premium back in. Because I don't want to dish out want, yep, 10 to 15%, you know, of, of you know, the, the stock price just to have a hedge out, you know, three, four months. So you've got to, you know, analyze different ways. Whenever I'm buying a put, I usually try to sell a call against it. 
just to, to take in to take in the premium. Yeah, just to bring that premium you're paying down. So maybe not even the whole thing, but you know, at least bring something back in. You know, Nick Shaheen was on the show for a long time, obviously, you know, s- similar strategies and, you know, obviously selling calls and, and success. That was more for, for income, though. He, yeah, uh, different ways. For positions. So yeah. uh, battle of 3,800 is going on here as we speak, folks. We're, we're still down 20 and three quarters handles. Uh, Dennis, there's a stock, another stock that you have a hedge on. And I can't believe we're 19 minutes into the show here and we haven't got to the big dog, the yeah. top component in the S&P 500. And I'll first make a comment that uh, I'll steal this one from you, Dennis. If you're knocking this thing down to 136 on a print, you're doing it wrong, right? You got down to 136. You rebounded back. Mitch, give us the report. We'll, we'll take a look. You got, I know you got your hedge on at 155 in this. Apple EPS coming in today at one, well, last night at $1.29, beating the $1.26 estimate. Sales at $90.1 billion, beating the $88.74 billion estimate. iPad revenue coming in at $7.17 billion. iPhone uh, topped Apple's quarterly results with revenue at $42.63 billion, a 9.5% increase over the fourth quarter of 21. But they didn't meet the expectation of 42.66 billion. So it was just slightly off there though. Apple CFO did say though, that the total company revenue will decelerate in December quarter. So the bar has been set so low here as well (laughs) by one meta two Microsoft three Google for Amazon. Apple actually benefits from being the last of the mega caps to report because they all you know, SH blanked the bed. They really did. And Amazon did it 30 minutes before. I mean, when you yeah. see Amazon falling this much, you know, were they going to hammer Apple down? And, you know, after Amazon falls 20 bucks, are they going to hammer Apple down 20 bucks too? I mean, the markets would have just, you know, just would been down a thousand Dow points, you know, if that was to happen. So I think Apple benefits just from being late to report. This was not a great report, though. This was not great guidance. Nothing was good about this, but the bar was set very low here by the other four. And they're like, okay, well, it wasn't as bad as Apple or it wasn't as bad as Amazon. It wasn't as bad as Microsoft. It definitely wasn't as bad as Meta. So, you know, it good enough. And that's why the algos hit it right on the initial thing because the numbers weren't great. And then they're like, well, it's not that bad, though. And then they bought it back up. And then, you know, obviously it didn't even trade it up. But really the play was just to fade all those moves. You know, what about the straddle? The dip, I wonder what the straddle was in this. I mean, because there, if you, you know, uh, straddle, strangle, whatever you took on this one up 56, uh, 56 cents, it's not big of a move. Uh, I mean, that pre market low, 136. Uh, Boy, we get down there today, then the market's going to have to be down a couple thousand points. Uh, pre-market high is just over 148. If you get through that pre-market high, which is going to take some heavy lifting, right? Because we're almost two and three quarters points away from that. Yeah. I want to get too excited. 149.05 was, uh, was yesterday's high. Um, so I'll keep it that as resistance, psychological 152. Uh, not 150, but 150 also. And then coming back on the downside, this is going to be a slippery slope. You take out the the 144.13 low from yesterday, and you got a you got a double bottom down at 142.65. So it's tight right now. Uh, I don't see it getting back over 150 or really getting under 140 unless you have you know a big market move um, either way. 
And then let's go to Amazon because Ooh, obviously this was the it. report that set the bar lower for Ant- for Apple last night. This was just a shellacking. I mean, and I am long. I'm actually it's my wife that's long the Amazon. She has a half size position in the long term portfolio. I wish I wouldn't have bought any now, but it is what it is. I mean, you got to own something. And Amazon here, wow. I guess victim two of high P as well. Maybe I should have been thinking about that before um, taking it through the report. I probably could have just sold it, but. Uh, hindsight capitals 2020 wow what a hit and matt mitch what are the numbers all right let's give the numbers here eps coming in at 28 cents beating the 22 cent estimate sales at 127.1 billion missing the 127.84 billion estimate amazon sees q4 22 net sales at 140 billion on the low end high end 148 billion versus 155.15 billion estimate. Amazon sees Q4 operating income at either zero to four billion on the high end. Um, AWS segment increased 27% year over year or increased 28% excluding the foreign exchange rates. CFO stated that the stronger dollar led to 900 million headwind that the company had anticipated Free cash flow decreased to an outflow of 19.7 billion uh, for the trailing 12 months, compared to inflows of 2.6 billion in the trailing 12 months ended in September 30th, 2021. Uh, quick technicals here. They whacked us down to 8780. I'm not oh, even gonna wait. look. Yeah, wow, really on that big. I, I think they were doomed almost, really. That you know, the way they the market is sold off. P. Yep. At the end of the day, you know, uh, meta, I mean, I just, I don't know. I would just would have took it like an incredible number to, you know, to get this up. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. rebound stopped right at triple digits at a hundred. We'll use that as resistance. Uh, really nothing sticking out to me here on the, you know, the shorter term pre-market uh, chart, just kind of like 95 kind of looks like a swing number. Maybe look where the, the, you know, the big open interest is and maybe some of these lower options, uh, but right now it looks like if you can hold 95, maybe get a little bit of a chance of a rally. Even Meta had a rally yesterday too. Um, it bounced off the intraday low. So don't think we're going to be seeing that pre-market low, uh, you know, that hundred, that psychological until it can get back into triple digits. Uh, I'll give you a, um, a monthly low from April of 2020, 94.46, but uh, you actually just blasted through that. So it's not a good level. Maybe use your half in a whole numbers here on the way down. Why don't, uh, why don't you two guys do the next stock? And then I'm going to get set up here with uh, my next guest is a sure. senior at the university of Michigan Ross. It's Brooke Robel. And she's going to come on and talk about the resources here uh, at the Tazi trading center. So I'll let you guys do an issue and I'll be right back with Brooke. Just all right. I'm here put... on Amazon. So I just want to get my thoughts on Amazon here. Yeah, um, by all Obviously, means. Wife is long at long-term portfolio. I'd sold all of my Amazon up. It was 3,300. So I don't know what that is on the equivalent, like 160 or something like that, maybe 165. And, Man, hard and math, then it came dude. back down. So I rebought <laughs> half the position at 110 because I thought it had come in okay. enough. It went back to 145 after that. And I was feeling mm. pretty good about that. But you hold on in this bear market long enough, Mitch, they get you. So buy and hold is like buy and fold in 2022. It's a trader's market. You got to take the gains when you got them because if you don't, the market will take them for you. It's exactly what it did to me on my Amazon. I'm going to pose you a question here Mm -hmm. and to the chat. I can pose it. 
Yeah. Are we seeing capitulation? And this was a, from from one of the tweet twi- Twitter followers. I tweeted this last night as well. But I was thinking the same thing. Are we seeing capitulation on individual names? Are we like you know like is this market going to be one of those that doesn't do the maybe the whoosh on the overall market because of the rotation? But do we see you know we, we you know Meta down twenty five percent? You know we've had multiple other stocks down twenty percent. The FedEx you know boom the early and you know, or late in the last earnings season I guess or early in this earnings season whatever you want to say. And then the Amazon down twenty percent at one point in time last night. Are we seeing? capitulation on individual names and it may be the market bottoms not by the market going and capitulating but by these individual names capitulating Welcome back traders and investors oh joel's taking over she's the senior <laughs> he can't hear us at the rock he cannot um and she's joining I'll me here on pre-market prep brooke how you doing today good how are you doing thank you for having me yeah well thank you uh thank you for coming so uh first of all how how did you get interested in the markets yeah so growing up my dad was always interested in the stock market. So he would watch Squawk Box every morning on TV. So growing up as a kid, that was what I watched, eating breakfast before school. And I just started to get really interested in the markets. And then when I came to Ross, I started speaking with Ross alum who are in sales and trading. And I just found sales and trading so exciting because it's so fast paced as I learned this summer in my internship. And also, I love how volatile the markets are right now. All right. So, all right. Well, Dad, if you're out there, start <laughs> watching Benzinga's pre market prep, yes. okay? Because <laughs> we got the best information on there. So, um, talk about the resources here at Ross and, um, you know, me coming from a trading floor, yes. you know, at the Merck and then, you know, being at Oldie Discount and whatnot. It's a really, it's a, you know, a male, yes. a male dominated world. So, yes. Tell us, you know, what the resources here at Tazi, how they help you out and the kind of your progression. And we'll talk about what you're going to be doing next year in a minute. But just talk about, you know, the resources here and how it's helped you help you start to achieve your goals. Yeah, I think it's nice. There's so many women focused clubs that help us um, with networking. I'm in Michigan Businesswoman, which is the club where we support each other for recruiting, which is how I got started with sales and trading. And then um, I just think it's really awesome that in the Tazi Center, we have access to Bloomberg and FactSet, which is very, very unique. Um, in my internship this past summer, Bloomberg is what you use on the trading floor. So I think it's unique that we're able to use that for our stock pitches and, and research. Okay, so uh, let's get to it. Let's talk about your internship. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I know you're you're super excited. Uh, I'm very excited. Yeah, so- Talk about your internship and then uh, what you're going to be doing, uh, I believe, next summer or fall. Yep. So this past summer, I worked at Citibank in New York City for sales and trading. And I'm happy to say I will be returning next summer. Um, An internship was just really, really exciting. I think it's different. You can look up sales and trading online and get a definition. But that's not the same as being on the trading floor. And so this summer, I did, it was a rotational program where I rotated through three different desks or three different product types. So I started on municipal bonds, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, is pretty niche. <laughs> and then I moved to securities lending, which is helping hedge funds short stock. And then I finished my rotation in regional Latin American FX sales. So all very different desks, um, but it was great to get an overview of the different asset types. Did, did you have a favorite? Did you have, um, oh, you yeah. know, well, I hope they're not listening. <laughs> Putting me but in a tough not, spot. No. Um, talk, talk to me about like um, your hours there. 
Um, you know, we, yeah. you know, pre-market <laughs> prep, obviously Dennis and I are, are prepping and Mitch as well. It's a 24 hour, it's a global market. Uh, talk, you know, you know, what are you getting in there early, hitting yep. the desk, doing yes, your prep? Absolutely. Um, it's different on every desk, but I'll give you an example. My second desk, they wanted me to be there at 6 a.m., ready to go, um, have some information prepared, research overnight. Um, so it definitely is an early start and a pretty long hours, but it's exciting. So talk about like when analyze. Oh, we're getting a nice pop here in the market. I don't know. Do we have some uh, eight thirty data guys? Maybe. Uh, um, yeah, we got we got some uh, PC got a nice coming here. in here. Index unchanged here at uh, in nineteen fifty. So five point one versus five point two. So just talk about um, like your analysis of the markets. I mean, where. As you can hear, you listen to the show here. We talk about, yes. you know, fundamentals and we talk about technicals. Yep. And I know they really stress the fundamentals here. Tell us when you're researching stocks. And actually, she told me when she researches stocks, she's read a couple of my articles. Yes, I have. I, I, did, I didn't ask you if it helped you or not, but I did. Uh, I, did I get pretty biased. But what do you, what do you do when, you, when you're researching stocks? Like just, just a quick example. When you know, something for the investment club or maybe something for yourself? Well, personally, I prefer to use Bloomberg because it's it's what you're using on the, the trading floors I've experienced. But um, I just like to go through. Um, it was really nice over my internship. You got to read the analyst reports mm -hmm. and the city research on it. So I like to, to read those, get a full understanding. And I also like to look at um, valuations. That's a... It's a Big, big portion of, you know, pitching stocks here at Ross, which I think is exciting. What about technicals? I try to look at some technicals. I'm not as well-versed <laughs> as you guys are from how I've been listening today. <laughs> it, what, it, what, uh, we had a, a conversation yesterday and I told yes. you, you know, with the technicals, you know, not yeah. to let it get too complicated. Yes. There's a lot of fancy things on there, but what, what were the two things I told you? Like, you know, just whatever you're trading whatever you're doing what are you looking at what were the like two things to keep an eye on the opening and the close you got it all right brooke robel <laughs> she's a senior here at the ross business school joining us here on benzinga's pre-market prep brooke thank you for getting up so early here this morning thank you great interview and uh we're gonna have you on again there uh maybe maybe from the thank city you. trading maybe i don't know about city. that but uh, <laughs> all right brooke thank you very much thank you for having me all right, I'm going to jump okay, in wow. here and yeah. get towards the Give market. Give us a PC number. We just repped higher right there. on this. I mean, it, I mean, not too big of a move. It, just, it came right what happened? down. But uh, PCE, PC. core PCE coming in year over year at 5.1 versus 5.2 expected. Ooh. Prior was 4.9. But really, realize this, guys. We're saying that it went from prior 4.9 to 5.1. It actually went up from the prior reading. But, but it was estimate, less than the estimate. It was less than the estimate. So it's just mixed signals in my eyes. Because really, I mean, it's showing that core PCE is actually going up, not going down. That's Triple what I D, did say. anyone give you a heads up on that? Or no. did you get did you <laughs> no. get picked no, off? No, I, I actually, as soon as it went wide, I, I canceled all orders. So it was about two seconds after that print. I was uh, like, I, oh, my I God, was, we got an 839. I was trying to bring it in. We were, we were so fault. into Dennis, we were so Dennis into, wanted to focus you know, on Amazon. I was trying to get to the we're economic so data. everything there. Yeah, we slipped up on that one. So <laughs> I had it you know, at the bottom. Shame though. on us. 
for not warning me. <laughs> I, I had it at the bottom. Audience. You could see but here economic data about to be released, 830 core. Yeah, yeah. I had well, it there. I had it there. That was also a pretty good interview. So I'm sure you guys were paying attention to that. But okay. uh it looks like uh they're teaching them the fundamentals here, Dennis. The fundamentals, fundamentals, valuation. The picture is really what matters the most right now. We just had a rant on this that you know you can't have the green light until you start seeing inflation come in well we see a little tick there's a glimmer of hope this isn't like you know all of a sudden we're out and we're in the clear but you know you got a little glimmer of hope here that it wasn't hot at least it wasn't hot Mitch. yeah so it i mean came in, it didn't go down though it went up <laughs> Mitch, man, he wants <laughs> like, that rapid inflation no, like guys know. He's uh, not going to fight the Fed. Come on, I, Mitch. Put on I, your gloves. Fight the I'm Fed. I'm never going to fight the Fed. There's no need. Ned Davis taught me well. <laughs> yeah. All you right. don't want to fight the Fed. But at the same time, you've got to the, – the inflation data is what is going to lead the Fed. Yes. So that's what we have to keep in mind. This is so their when favorite you see indicator. It, and point, you know, point four, four, point 0.5 or, or whatever it was point versus point 0.5 is in line there on that one number that just – pop by it wasn't like a number that's oh yeah we're getting this in check but it wasn't hot and we're in this silver lining market here right now because everything has been hammered so a not hot number is bullish and that's why the market is ripping higher on this. does it continue i don't know if anybody has the answer for that one but so far so good we got a day that amazon you know at one point in time was down 20 percent. it's only down 13 now but you would think this is going to be a disastrous day. I mean, the S&Ps are 50 points off their overnight lows. They are. So, so that's are. the good news. The bad news still is, to Mitch's point, is is this a number that the Fed's going to pivot on? No. But it's a start maybe of something. You know, give us a glimmer of hope. And the market is trying to grab one of those glimmers of hope. But fading everything, fade, I mean, fading literally every move, it seems like, has been the play here for a long time now. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So I think you just continue to play the fade game until further notice. Like last night, if you were selling the Apple, the Apple rip, buying the Apple dip, I mean, not even that. It was just, you know, other things too. It just seems like everything, you know, if you're fading, the, especially the rip on the rip side. If you're fading the rips, it seems like you're happy a few days later. But I mean, Boeing rip and dipped wow. after its earnings report. We're still just bobbing around a lot. When we're bobbing around like this, you still got to be fading moves. You don't want to jump on that momentum train. That pop took us to 38.28. Uh, just I caught it out of the corner of my eye. It was flashing. And, uh, but still, I mean, we still have it. You know, we still haven't put that close behind yeah. us yet at 19. I mean, the, the bulls got some heavy lifting to do, right, to get us get us above the close. I'm looking at some of the top components here. You know, that tech week again, I do see, a, you know, I see some green with, uh, let's go to Exxon Mobil here. Let's uh, let's do the oil stocks. Boy, oh boy. That's one sector we've missed out on, on Dennis is, uh, is uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah. the oil. You guys poo-pooed me for that trade for a while. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but go. we, but, but, but let's be honest. We've, we've, we've admitted that. I mean, yeah, we have been we on this show too. 
And I've admitted that I've missed the energy trade for yeah. four months here we now. Both, and I did not miss did. the energy <laughs> trade at the end of September because I clearly was saying you bought Oxy. The pullbacks. I bought mm-hmm. Oxy. You did. I didn't load up, but I was clearly saying you've pulled back enough on some of these energy stocks that they're interesting. So I wouldn't say I've missed this recent last three weeks, mm-hmm. but I definitely have missed the move overall this year. So yeah. I and I'm not coming in these investments now. And obviously the Oxy, you know, I've sold that. It didn't participate as well. I probably picked the wrong one um, because, you know, you see ExxonMobil, new highs, Chevron, new highs. Disappointed yeah. that the Oxy didn't participate as well as some of the other ones. I don't know why that is, but maybe because it had already been bought up so much off Buffett. But yep. lots of things to consider, lots of balls to juggle. Mitch has been all over the energy trade, so credit where I, credit is due. I mean, I got stopped out. So, I mean, I, I got stopped out in the Oxy downturn and wasn't able to catch this run. So, like always, I mean, you can just because you have an outlook doesn't mean you execute perfectly, right? No, well, man. If I can, if you can goes, execute right? perfectly and your outlooks, <laughs> that's the dream. That I, is I, the all dream. the time. I get the call right, and I screw up the trade. I mean, that happens lots that's, of times. That's trading. And that's what trading is. <laughs> you get the call wrong, but you actually make money on Scratch the trade. trade. I yep. mean, it's yeah. funny you know, how execution is. It's not as simple as, a, yeah, call a stock going up and make money or call a stock going down and make money. The psychological game, you know, not to get stopped out in the moves, you know, to hold on or maybe even to sell at the right moment in time. I mean, my Amazon purchase – was an incredible purchase back in July. I basically bought that low at 110. I it went that, to 145. Man. Three, four uh, weeks later, that was an incredible buy. But I screwed it up by holding on to it. So, <laughs> I mean, timing is everything. There's an entry and an exit. You can get your entry perfect, screw up your exit and lose money. So there's lots of you know things to consider with trading. But you know, let's go back. You know, Wait, we and you can do the, the you can trade. do the one thing we tell you not to do. Don't frown average down. Yeah. Well, the Kathy life. Well, well, I did that in Netflix. I did, you did that in Netflix. I did, I'm up in Netflix. Did you dump I, that I, yet? At one point in time, I was down, I think, 50% in the Netflix position, my wife's portfolio, my wife's account. You used to call the losers in Laura's portfolio. I know, I do. I'm going to call her that, over the weekend. That's that not fair. Like okay, so, excellent. ExxonMobil's Exxon earnings here, and a lot of analysts, you know, have been really saying that they're sticking with energy. I think a lot of this is what you see here in the numbers, right? ExxonMobil, Q3 EPS, $4.45, beating the $3.65 estimate. Sales at $112.7 billion, missing the $134.28 billion estimate, but raising their quarterly dividend from $0.88 cents to $0.91 cents a share. So uh, definitely that EPS, really good beat there. Got over 111, Triple D. I am really, I mean, that is a big move. And I just tell you that it it made another shot at it, too. It got over 111, pulled back to 109, and then maybe got another shot at uh, 111. I mean, you you settled a couple bucks lower here. It's not a super thick stock. 417,000 shares have traded. You know, I don't know if it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to get Comcasted like what happened yesterday, but you're going to have to satisfy all those orders in the book off the open. I mean, 110 is a, you know, 110, we'll open above 110, that pre-market high of 111. Triple D, what what are you seeing out there in the order flow? Um. I think you just, and I've been wrong on the energy <laughs> stock, so I'm always cautious with giving opinions because I have been wrong. I mean, that's had a huge run. I mean, we went from 180, 85 to 110. Is a lot of this priced in already? 
I think so. But I mean, the energy stocks just seem to keep finding new money because they fit that bill of low PE. They fit that bill of, PE? Of, of a is safety. It oh, it's, yeah, because the earnings have exploded. You know, the PE on this is still low. But again, they're cyclical. So if we go into recession, you could start to see that happen. But it's not cyclical like a U.S. steel. So yeah, as long as oil prices meeting. somewhat hold on, they're obviously related to oil prices. As long as oil prices hold up, you know it's going to be okay. I mean, the price of the pumps is starting to go back up too, which is not good for our inflation picture. But I feel like it's hard to chase them here. I mean, ExxonMobil, everybody was selling it and hating it in 2020 when it was $31. And now it's 110 I mean, its stock has tripled in one of the worst bear markets we've seen you know, in years. Time. So, I mean, what do you want? I mean, this has been an incredible mover. I think you're coming in now. I think you're late to the party, but I thought you were late to the party 10 bucks ago. Yep. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's go CVX. Let's go Chevron Corp. Chevron right quick here. EPS $5.56, beating the $4.91 estimate. Sales at $66.64 billion, beating the 59.17 billion estimate. Chevron says 22 investment currently below the lower end of its 15 to 17 billion guidance. Of course, that's excluding acquisitions, but not bad chart there on Chevron the last couple of weeks. Snuck over 182 uh, a couple times. Uh, I think the pre-market high looks like it's like 182 and a quarter, but it's still it still uh, has a bid up here. We're still at one 181.88. So I think for this one, of course, you know, satisfying all the uh, you know the outstanding orders off the open. You know, if you if you're in the you know you're not afraid of heights, boom, you take a shot, you buy this off the open, you get a pop. But, you know, if it goes 112, 112 and a half, 113, whatever, comes back down through that open, then I think some of those, you know, shorter term algos will get tra- triggered. You could have some downside. The top of yesterday, oh, we're not too far from the top of yesterday's range. I could see a gap fill here. 181. That's not bad at all. Oh, we're right there right now. The top of yesterday's range, uh, 181.40. Wow, we're all-time closing high was made yesterday as well at 177.90. Uh, I'm keep that as a longer-term number. It sure looks to be like that's going to be the second all-time closing high in Chevron if everything stays the same here for the remainder of the day. All it's right, just, let's... same story as Exxon. They've just run so far here. I don't know when the eventual rug pull comes. So that's my concern. Yeah, I think you also watch uh, WTI, right? I've been looking to see if we can get into the 90 handle. That's what OPEC Plus wanted to set out to do. It's hit 88 multiple times. I saw it hit 80, close to 89 yesterday. So keep that on watch also. But this, these WTI. stocks have been rallying without, I mean, oil has been range bound. I mean, this is, this is I mean, just a since pure. OPEC, since OPEC Plus has come in, oil's gone up. It's gone up. It went, up, it went from 84 to 90. Pulled back to 84, 85. So they got the desired thing. But no, these things are moving now on just like the core fundamentals of the companies and the valuations. And so um, I, I I, mean, to me, I mean, crude had it had its big move. And I know I've, uh, you know, I've been talking, you know, bearish crude. It's been it had that pop off OPEC plus. But these stocks have just been doing it on their own merit. And, you know, and it's showing up in the earnings. So, yeah, the uh, underlying what I'm calling out more like is the underlining asset is supporting it, at least not just falling down, because mm-hmm. a second there it looked like we were going to get into the 60s. 
and we're back closer towards the 90s. So that's what I'm keeping watch for the oil trade. Guys, we're falling pin- back. We're falling back to 3,800, folks. That was a, yeah, that was fading. Uh, everything just works. The, the algos, the everything. algos, right now they're just reading it really simply. They saw a beat on the expectation. They jumped. They they jumped the gun. When you look into the prior number compared to this number, I think that's when you start seeing that, hey, you're going higher in core inflation, not what you want to be seeing. And of course, core PCE is the one that's excluding energy and food. That means that other things are still highly inflated, not what we want to see. Let's go to pin interest. Yeah, it's, one it's, just it's the real same quick. Thing. It doesn't even matter the numbers. It's chop. We're in chop fest. It's fading moves. I'm going to continue to say it. The reason. Again, that I'm having a pretty good year trading. I know everybody loves it when I lose money because the chat loves it when I'm wrong. Um, there's a lot of people that like me too, but there's that 25% that hate my guts and they really like when I lose money. So sorry, I'm not losing money this month either. Um, the, the one thing you know just to consider is that fading moves on everything. It doesn't matter what the hell the news is. This is what's working. Contrarians are kicking ass in 2022. Those guys who are running momentum systems are not doing getting well. Killed. Well, yep. they're not necessarily getting killed, but they got to get out while the getting is good. So oh. you have some good traders. Like Christian Fromhertz is a momentum trader. He's an excellent trader. Um, I, I think when he – and he posts his numbers all the time. And he's beating the S&P again. I, but I, I'm not sure if he's up on the year or not. But, um, you know, it's fantastic to be performing, you know, that well, you know, as obviously, you know, when you got a year this bad. So you know, you're a momentum trader and you're – scratching this year that is a win man that is a huge win i think he moves to where the momentum is like, yeah he right? does they yeah, move around I mean, that, but that's what's happened relative strength but what's happened that hasn't worked this year so that's why christian is such a good trader to be like even and maybe he's slightly up but to be able to scratch on a year where you're always moving to the momentum because momentum keeps breaking so it starts and it starts going to something and then it breaks it's not there's not no follow-through so, yeah, you can say, well, the energy trade has had pretty good fall through. But so many other sectors where, you know, you're, you're, you're getting momentum in GM all of a sudden, starting to look good, and boom, they pull the rug out from under it. Even the, even the energy sector, it's had some vicious sell-offs in this rally. I mean, ExxonMobil was not $105 back in June, and then went all the way down to 86 80 You holding through that? That's a 30-point move down. That's a you know 28% move down. So it's been tough. It's been tough as a momentum trader. As a contrarian, it's been so much easier. So I've got to say, you know, as a trader, it's, you know, the way I've always, you've got to adjust. You know, I was playing lots of momentum strategies in 2020 and 2021. It was like the trend was your friend. Um, the trend is really not your friend as much in 2022. It has worked overall on some stocks, but a lot of it's just been a hell of a lot of chop. And if you're like using stops, you're getting stopped out of everything. So it's it's a tricky market for swing traders. And, and again, Christian, I know you listen to the show a lot. Congratulations, you know, on holding up as well as you have this year. And 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 possibly, like I, I looked at him, even being up on a year like this, that's incredible as a momentum trader because it's been a contrarian year. And you know what? If, you can, if you're a momentum trader and you can scratch out years like this, you're going to kill it in the momentum years. And when, that's when what Christian, turns. you know, 2020, yep. 2021, he's throwing up like 300% years. And so on these crappy years, you're scratching them 300%. Guy's an awesome trader, Christian. Well, that's uh, real quickly, uh, just a preview for next week and the following week. We're going to have our, our boy Blue on from uh, the chief economist at the CME. And uh, he's going to come on. We're going to have him on before the CPI number. 
and then we're going to have them off the CPI number. So, all right, I'm going to let you guys cover another issue here. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to bring on um, our third and final guest of the day, and that uh, that's Eric Brand. He's another senior here at Ross, and uh, he has a pretty big role here in Amazing Blue Fund. We're going to talk about that. So, uh, guys, do another issue, and I'll, I'll be right back with Eric. All right, I'm going to do Pinterest here as we need to kind of cover it. I see the chat asking about it. What is going on? Pinterest is up. All right, let's talk about those numbers here. PINS here. Boom. All right, numbers coming in here at EPS, 11 cents, beating the six cent estimate sales at 685 million, beating the 665.47 million estimate. And getting a little bit of a lift. What do you think about Pinterest? It doesn't seem like it's as bad as Snap. That's for sure. It's not, then that's it. It's not as bad as Snap, so it's getting a lift. It has the Elliott cushion, which gives mm. it the pass as well. I'm going to say this, and we haven't talked about the Twitter closing here today, but Twitter is now closed. Elon Musk is now, he's fired some people in there. Yeah. Do you want to be long social media stocks and now going directly against Elon Musk? Mm. I don't want to be long Pinterest and Snapchat, Facebook. I'm going to call it Facebook forever because that's what it is. I don't want to be long and going head to head with Elon Musk. You think Elon Musk, you know, he knows how to run a company. He'll turn that Twitter into something special, I think. And, you know, obviously, you know, he can't participate as a shareholder in Twitter. But if you're buying Pinterest and you're buying Snapchat and you're buying Facebook, you're saying Musk is not coming for any of your market share. And I don't think that's the case. So I'd be scared of Musk. We'll see what happens there. And now time to get to our next interview. Let's go, Joel. Tazi. Welcome back, traders, investors, of the Tazi Electronics Trading Center, located here on the heart of the University of Michigan campus. Joel Alconnen here with uh, with Eric Brand. He's a senior at Ross. Eric, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thank you so much. Doing great. Happy to be here. All right. So let, let's start out. How, how did you get interested in the markets? So for me, I'm a really curious person. I, I love to ask questions and I love to learn. Um, and I think when I really got old enough to, to follow what was happening in the markets, it was about it was about learning and it was about asking questions and thinking about a business. Um, and from there, knew that I really wanted to have an undergraduate business degree to further my studies. And, and Ross kind of has provided exactly what I was looking for from an academic perspective, but also the Michigan persona is, is really infectious and it's a really fun place to be and a very exciting time to be here at Michigan as well. Yeah, sports are doing pretty good too. That kind of helps out, right? Yeah. Um, all right. So you are the CIO of the Mason Blue Fund. That's a pretty yep. big. You just took on this role here. So I got a couple questions for you regarding that. How did you How did you evolve to that role? So I initially joined the Mason Blue Fund the second semester of my sophomore year. A little bit more about the fund. Kai briefly touched on it, uh, but it's it's one of our student managed funds here on campus. We manage a little over $600,000 on behalf of the University of Michigan's endowment and Ross's endowment. Um, and we actively manage the fund. So we pitch stocks, we evaluate our holdings, we do research and, and evaluate different positions. Um, and it's really part of our action-based learning campaign. So it, it involves the concepts that we learn in our finance classes and brings them into the real world. 
and is applicable to obviously other classes as well, especially given the mostly fundamental analysis that we do. Um, and so for me, I really wanted to take the opportunity to, to give back what I've learned. And as CIO, I've made it one of my initiatives to really help the students in the fund and take it to the next level from a DEI standpoint, uh, but from a number of other perspectives as well to really increase our visibility in the work that we do and prepare students for internships and, and going out into the real world post-graduation. To start your freshman year, sophomore, sophomore year, year, sophomore year. Yeah. So typically it's a, it's a class as well. Um, and there's a few prerequisites. So typically people tend to join sophomore, sophomore, junior, senior year. Um, and there's a couple of MBAs as well, which is great. So this, this is kind of tough. And I, I just got to talk into Brooke and Kai. So, so you just took over as CIO, yeah. right? Yeah. So in the, in semester just started, you know, not long ago, and now you're getting into it. So now you have to take, and you were probably part of the team last year. You guys, the first thing you have to do is evaluate all the positions that you have, right? Exactly. And you need yep. trim, you need the yep. at. I mean, that's a difficult process, right? So talk a little bit about the mechanics, how you guys do that, and you know your criteria. To me, and I'm sure the, the people on the show know better than anyone else, and you, of course, the decision to sell is equally as important as the decision to buy. Um, and it's something that we take a lot of diligence in in, in making. Um, and so at the start of every semester, we evaluate the holdings in the fund and really, you know, scrutinize our original thesis points and see where the companies are, are performing relative to that. Um, and I think that, you know, in times like this, even though I was involved with a lot of uncertainty, yes, it's, it's a difficult market to invest in, but it's also a lot of opportunity. Um, and there are ways to create alpha. And, and, and we talk a lot about creating alpha and finding finding those opportunities, uh, particularly given so much uncertainty, where if, if we can make a position that's potentially differentiated from the market view, uh, we have a lot of opportunity. And so I think it's a difficult time, but also a really exciting time to be investing and, and to be involved in the Amazing Blue Fund. And how many students will work on a, a stock pitch? Is it what per student? Is it a group of students? Yeah, so it's typically around four students. Um, the teams tend to be pretty lean and very involved. So all of the students, you know, are part of the class, have taken a number of other finance classes here on campus and, and are really passionate about this type of work, which is what makes it so special. Um, it's really a community of people who want to learn and want to engage and, and want to do work and, and analyze companies. And, uh, you know, every week it's it's not a class to me. It's a place where I go and I learn and I'm really excited to be there. You guys put uh, so you obviously go with fundamental analysis, yeah. right? Do you add, do you do how much do technicals come into play? Um, how much you know Wall Street analyst ratings? You know, do you, do you incorporate into it an overall macro atmosphere? So the biggest thing for us is a differentiated view, and I think as students, fundamental analysis is really useful because it incorporates not only the finance concepts that we're learning, but also the strategy concepts from our classes in strategy from our classes in management, from our classes in operations. Um, and so it's it's really an interdisciplinary type of analysis that we do. Um, and I think, you know, trading performance technicals is, is somewhat important, obviously, to any investment that you're gonna make. But uh, for us as students, looking at the fundamentals is, is crucial. And, and what do you guys use as your benchmark? So our benchmark is the, is the S&P mid cap. And sort of the rationale behind that is when the fund was initially created, we wanted to be able to pitch large cap and small cap companies. So, and so the weighting of the two really enabled us to, uh, you know, benchmark to the mid cap as the most effective measure. 
And you know, you took the out of like the question is that took it right out of took it right out of my mouth. Good job there. Um, so just talk about talk about the Tazi Electronic you know Training Center. You, uh, I, I talked to Kai, and um, I, I really think it should be open twenty four seven. And I think Kai should uh, you know put a bet in his office here and trade the futures overnight. But uh, talk about the resources here. What you've utilized, you know, the most, and you know what what your favorite tools are, and some of the what the other students like. So the first thing is that the Ross building currently closes at 10 p.m. That has since changed for my freshman year on campus, where it was open. I'm not sure if it was open 24/7, but it was at, at least open until midnight. And so the hours there are something that a lot of students have been pushing back against. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how I, far I'm we get. Stephen Ross on the line, here yeah, because we got to change that. Though. Yeah, I totally agree. And then in terms of Tazi, I mean, the resources here are absolutely unbelievable. Uh, access to Bloomberg, access to Backset, access to Kai, who's an incredible mentor, incredible teacher to many on campus. Uh, it's really, it's really a, a great resource for us to utilize. And it's incredibly well utilized between clubs and classes and student projects. Um, and so it's, you know, it's a great place to, to work and to learn. And, uh, you know, also just, you know, um, what uh, you know? What attracted you to to the University of Michigan? I mean, uh, I know you're from you know, out east. You're going to be going back out east. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what was it about? You know, did you visit the trading center here before you? Uh, before you? Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I know Harvard was your backup school. You know, nothing wrong with that. But uh, tell us what uh, tell us what attracted you here. So, so, I remember. Yeah, I'm originally from New York. I remember coming to campus as a high school senior. I came with my mom in the middle of February and it was an absolute blizzard. My mom did not want to go on the campus tour. I went on the campus tour. There was about a foot of snow on the ground. I came to the Ross building and I just immediately remember lighting up. I was like, this place is awesome. The students are engaged. The students care about what they're doing. They're, they're ambitious. They want to go out and, you know, have a successful career. And when I saw Tazi, that was just one example of exactly what Michigan offered, but beyond Ross and beyond, you know, Tazi, I think just the Michigan, they, there's a Michigan difference, as they like to say. The people who go to Michigan and who went to Michigan just breed maize and blue. Um, and connecting with alumni, it was just so clear that they wanted to give back. Well, there, there's some people out east that have another term for uh, the people in Ann Arbor here, but uh, I can't I can't say that on the air. Are you, are you a football fan? Football fan, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah. Any Any predictions for tomorrow? I I think I think you know my friend's a, a manager on the football team. I think that we should have a good game, but uh, I'll be there. I'll be in the big house cheering on the Wolverines, and um, I'm excited to uh, see what happens. All right, Eric Brand, he is the CIO of the Maize and Blue Fund. He'll be heading out to Wall Street to uh, to tame the markets. Uh, great perspective, Eric. Thanks a lot. Thanks Thank for you coming so on, and go blue. Go blue. Boom, boom. Nine o'clock. I'm going to stick with you for a couple of minutes here because I know we missed a lot of market talk. Um, I, you know, Joel's put together a nice thing. It's nice to see some young kids, obviously, talking. University of Michigan there. Um, you know, so it, it's nice to have. We don't usually do stuff like this. I know some of the listeners are a little bit frustrated because we're not talking markets as much here uh, right now. But I mean, there's, you know, uh, there, there's obviously, you know, good, you know, to go and to get on in the University of Michigan floor here talk trading but let's go talk what's happening in the markets here right now for an extra few minutes here we'll give you some overtime here uh talking i'll do you, some ticker uh, time i'll do some ticker time I'll give you stick around with us too 
All stick. right. We'll stick. We'll stick. Let's go. Let's take a look. All right. Uh, overall market right now, just pretty much chop, chop, chop this morning, right? Nothing, nothing going on right now. Um, Lots I'm, going on. Chop is the word. Though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a continuation of the entire year. Chop is the word of 2022. How do you play chop? Fade moves. Don't chase. Fade moves. Fade, fade, fade. Yeah, I just I, I'll just call it. We started the morning at eight a.m. Right, three seventy-eight oh five. We're at three eighty uh, three seventy-eight forty-three. So we're up maybe 30, 30 cents. To give um, some perspective on the week here, uh, I did I could get to the numbers here a little bit. Um, Tuesday's low. I mean, we got above it. I, and I and if you could just block out that you know that pre-market low where they they really they really took it 37 37.76.75 that's that's right near the high from last week so we didn't we weren't able to hold on to the gains so minor support there 37.90 that's Tuesday's low and then once again I know we blew through the close there uh on that PCE number but I'm still you know also you know on your stocks if you took some stuff home overnight you're starting out in the red, you know, pay attention to the bottom of the range from uh, from yesterday, uh, as well as uh, that closing price, an important mark. Continuing on here, the they want to talk Intel, Mitch. Intel. I own Intel oh, in so the long-term I, portfolio. So I had the bad rant on it yesterday um, for the simple reason that I'm ticked off that I didn't get any Mobileye shares. Um, Looks like Mobileye is making money, though. I'll tell you that much. It's I'll a nice pop in Intel. The trend is down. Bag holders everywhere, including me and Joel. Yep. I just think it's hard to turn stocks around when there's this many bag holders. It's been a value trap. You can say it's a low PE stock. That's one thing going for it. Probably why it's actually trading higher here. And the report wasn't fantastic by any means. But probably because it's a value stock. It's the kind of stock they kind of do want to own right now. It's got the nice little 5.27% dividend. But this company is just firing on no cylinders. <laughs> There's some companies that fire on all cylinders. This company fires on no cylinders. Management has been an absolute mess for a decade. AMD has eaten their lunch. Lisa Sue just killing them in every regard. Um, this was the, the, you know, Intel inside advertised everywhere 20 years ago. Now it's just, you know, nobody wants Intel inside. So PCs, they need to change we, yeah. that culture. They need to change that thought process of the consumer that I don't want to own an Intel chip. I want to own an NVIDIA chip. I want to own an AMD chip. I'm not sure how they do it. I'm attracted to the P. I was attracted to the P. I've screwed up. This has been a value trap. Probably should cut the loser at a certain point in time. This is a problem of not being best of breed anymore. When it you're is. looking at performance, now they're not best of breed. And so they really need to get back into beating the AMD chips. That's yep. really what needs to happen. If they can do that, well, maybe the story can reignite. But right now, it just seems like Intel has been on a horrible trend in the last, let's say, five to six years. For sure. And that they're just losing out to the AMD. Yeah. I mean, and just upsetting shareholders. I, I think I'm not the only shareholder. I was reading Twitter. There's a few shareholders that are upset about the same thing. Like you say, oh, yeah, you do Mobileye. You see the stock trading out there. You didn't get any shares. Well, you still directly own it. You indirectly own it through Intel. I mean, it's just not exciting, though. It's not like I not can't what do you anything expected. with it. No. Yeah. I'm disappointed. And I'm like, well, I actually bought Intel originally back in the day because of the Mobileye uh, potential for the spinoff of it. Um, I do think Mobileye is going to be, you know, a good company. And I could just go on the open market and buy Mobileye. But why weren't, you know, $20 is where and then it goes to 28 I mean, why in the hell, you know, weren't we allowed to participate in it like that? So directly. 
So I don't like the way they did that either. I think the management's just an absolute mess. Uh, we're, we snuck over 28. We actually snuck over 2850, uh, after, uh, wow. Tw- that's a big bar there, but, uh, got up to 20. I don't know if we're going to get back up into that area. I'm just looking at a couple daily highs here. That's the only thing we can go on right now. 27, actually four daily highs between 2748 and 2780. So there's been someone there. Maybe they just had a short-term trade, picked it up at 26. I'm getting my buck and a half out of it. So that that's that's pretty good resistance right now. I even I see other highs at 2784. So I don't, man, I don't know. Getting hold 28, yeah, you'll challenge that pre-market high. You don't. You got a ways to go to get down to that close. Uh, that close is way down there, I think, at 26, 27. So I think you'll find uh, find buyers ahead of that um, on any kind of decline. And uh, here we are. We're, boy, that another chop dip under 3,800. They bought it now. Now, now making a run for uncle. I'll tell you, we end we end up green today. It's going to be green for the week. I'm going to, you know, besides for the, you know, mega cap disaster earnings on, uh, you know, a three out of four. It, you know, I think you can at least wipe your brow and say, uh, well, we're a ways from 3,500. I think the market has performed unbelievable considering the tape bombs to Tommy Lackey's term we've had. We've had Microsoft. Get hammered on their report. We've had Google. Get hammered on their report. We've had Amazon. Get hammered on their report. We had Meta. Get hammered on their report. And the S&Ps aren't going down. Well, if you're a bear, that's got to be concerning. Like, what's going to take us down when the mega caps don't take us down? I mean, maybe an escalation in geopolitical situation. But this is good news for the bulls. And let's just call it how it is. The Bears are not winning right now. Not at all. Sorry, Mitch. The Bears are not winning. And does it continue? Sure? I mean, it, uh, you're a bear. You're, you've been a bear for a while. And I have <laughs> kind of been on the fence. I'm kind of with you. But I've been changing and starting to buy stocks in the long-term portfolio because the tape is telling me yeah. that this market is now all of a sudden coming in and looking for things to buy as opposed to you know naturally just sell, looking for things to sell. What, are you not a little bit concerned that S&Ps didn't sell off at all when four of the big five got killed? No, because you just said it. Four of the big five got killed. So in my eyes, leadership always, the market might not be. Oh, we're getting new leadership, leadership right Mitch. now. That's the, thing. That's the thing we've been talking about for the right last now. couple of days. It's like right in front of us. It's it's happening. And uh, we called it out mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, I got my top components here. And I know that I, I didn't even check. I didn't get to see. I know Meta's fell out of the top ten. Um, now you're going to get you're going to get Exxon Mobil moving up, and then you're going to get Chevron moving up. And you know what? J.P. Morgan that fell out of the top ten. But that was like six or seven at one point. You're going to tell me? Are you, are you bearish J.P. Morgan? Are you bearish Bank of America? I mean, they're not you know the most sexy stocks in the world. But look at that that recession. Your, yeah. Recession, that's what Higher I would say. Higher interest rates are good. Well, recession, no. what was our GDP? What well, recession GDP? is, in my eyes, is still coming. It hasn't hit yet. And we've been talking about how the consumer still has cash. We just saw GDP come. That shows me more and more that 
recession probably could still be coming. What do the banks say? The banks say six months into the year. That's what they're looking at. That was JP Morgan's Jamie Dimon. Okay. Jamie Dimon said we had another 20% low to go at just about the low. So I don't want to, I don't want to knock on Jamie Dimon. You can read my it, article on that. It's but a I good mean, argument though. I'm just even listening to it. Like Mitch makes some fantastic points. Um, and I'm still kind of on the fence here, you know, approaching a market neutral fading moves, not going rah, rah, bull, but I'm fully off the bear train right now. Like I'm not rah, rah, bear because you, if we were coming in to pose this question to a, in a different way, Mitch, if you were coming into this earnings season and the S and P basically, when the mega cap started reporting was trading at three seventy eight, that's where we were five days ago. And I told you, that Amazon was going to go down 20% at one point in time. Meta was going to fall 25%. Microsoft was going to fall 15%. And um, uh, Google was going to fall 10 12%. Would you say the S&P was going to be higher? No, I would not. And so uh, that does make up for your bull case. The biggest thing I don't have a bull me, case. I no, don't no, want I'm to put just words saying. My mouth. I'm well, neutral right now. I'm for, trying for to figure out my case. case. <laughs> for the, the bull case, right? For yeah. the bull case, quote unquote, right? And so my biggest thing there is what is the true positive catalyst that's come into the markets that are making you think that this is a complete change in environment? What's that the positive feels- catalyst? It just is the resilience that I'm seeing. We didn't have this resilience a month ago. We were selling stocks no matter what. FedEx came out, warned, market got murdered with it as it should. But now you're getting, you know, warnings even, even Apple. I mean, look Mm -hmm. at Apple response. Their specific commentary was that earnings was going to decelerate. They put the decelerate word in there. And the algos hit it down five bucks on that. And they bought it right back. I mean, I, I, I think at the end of the day, you you guys heard me talk about this. I feel a lot of people are still trying to play that October would be the bottom, right? And so I think a lot of people are positioned in here trying to call the bottom. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Because at least it seems like we're not having that big of a risk to the downside because if these big stocks are going to report down and we're not going down in the overall market, it seems like at least, and I've talked about this, the path of least resistance right now in the short term has been to the upside. So that, that does include. I mean, the, the other argument, outlook. the other argument that you can make here, and I've, you know, I'd, I've been giving you guys the eyeball test when I went to Kohl's a couple of weeks ago. And when yeah. I, you know, when I went away last week, um, you know, the, the fed is throwing everything, but the kitchen sink at this market. Okay. And look, can't knock know, it down. It can't knock it down. It can't not, I mean, you know, whatever retailers are, are due to report. We're coming, you know, we're coming into seasonality, uh, you know, towards, you know, the best six months of the year, a lot of November through, through April. Um, so a lot of different factors that are, that are coming into it. But uh, I think Dennis, I think you posed it uh, the best is like, if you would have had the script about uh, Google, Microsoft, you know, Amazon, if you would have had that in front of you, 
I mean, you would think we would be, you would be getting New your lows. bids out there here at 3505 because yep. you didn't want to miss the 350275 love. That, that's yep. what you would be thinking. So, um, a lot of different ways you can skin a cat here. Triple D, I know it's 913 here, so I know you're getting, yeah. getting ready for the open. Yeah, um, it's been a really choppy open. I, again, and, you know, people get frustrated, you know, with this, you know, market neutral thing that I've been saying for three weeks, probably because I'm so bloody opinionated. When I come in market neutral, people are like, well, you got to make a call. You don't have to make a call. <laughs> yeah, this is like a curveball market here. You know, all yeah. I'm doing is fading moves day trading. I have no swing trades on. I'm fading moves day trading. And sometimes the best thing to do is just sit on the sidelines and play it out. My friend Mike texting me last night. Mike, if you're there, I'll give you a shout out. Um, he's playing. He just put, you know, he just tied some money up, you know, in GICs and can't four and a half percent. And I'm like, it's not a bad play right now. Because I can't, you know, he's always like, what do you think of these stocks? What do you think of these stocks? And I just, it's tough. I could see Mitch being correct. And I could just see, and I don't think Joel's in the full bull camp, but I could see the bull thesis, like, let's go, you know, to a Dan Ives, you know, like who's been dead wrong for a long time. We've had him on a show, but, you know, he's been, you know, saying eventually, you know, these stocks are going to turn around. I could see it happening too. But the indexes are just holding up so well that I think, the, I think the the smartest call might just be that this, you know, continues this, you know, like that the indexes actually do hold up and this rotation keeps us afloat. Unless you get, you know, a breakdown, a Taiwan invasion would destroy the market. Um, you know, uh, nuclear obviously is just not even talkable. You know, that's and it just gets ugly. But I think from a market's perspective, just looking at the economy, the, the economy is still humming along and, and, you know, and the Fed's not going to lay off the gas, but at a certain point in time, do they have to? You know, we the- haven't we haven't mentioned this point in, in, a, in a long time, and we haven't used this term because the market uh, this hasn't been a characteristic of the market. But there's a little bit of FOMO. I mean, if you're I've not, got in, it. yeah, if you're not in, where did know, it come when, from, though? What, if, I'm just let me finish. If, yeah. if you're not in, and I'm and like everyone's talking about a Fed pivot, right? I mean, first they gotta they gotta stop you know, going up. But the first time something, you know, comes out of Powell's mouth that says, yeah, hey, you know, things are looking, you're just going to be have to be lifting offers because, you know, it's just, that's going to be, you're going to one day and, oh my gosh, the market just went up a thousand points and then people will short into it. Then you come in the next morning and the futures will be up, you know, another 60 handles and you'll be like, oh, I don't know. So, you know, when or if that will happen, we're still fighting inflation. There's still, you know, we we talked about having a bad Q3 earnings season. That's come to fruition for, for the mega cap tech. Uh, but the market's hanging in there. So uh, Triple G, final comments. We'll let you go, and then I'll yeah. do a few tickers. Yeah, just unbelievable uh, resilience. So I'm going to I'm gonna you know go trade the open here, but unbelievable resilience. Even today with Amazon trading down 13% in the S&P flat, S&Ps, the rotation is keeping it floating. I'm not sure that breaks anytime soon. Short term, I can even see us going up today. Now, one of the things that I would say is the biggest risk in this market to me is that the fed continues with their initiative they reiterate that we've never mentioned that we're pivoting we've never mentioned that we're pausing inflation has remained high has remained high and gdp just showed us that there isn't the weakening in economy 
that was stated by many analysts this week saying that there's a weakening in the environment. Well, the GDP number didn't give them that. If anything, it gave them some more strength to say that there isn't weakening in the economy and we're going to continue raising interest rates until we get a handle on inflation. Then we can talk about pausing. Okay, I'm going to hop, but that's a good summary, Mitch. And, and Fed speak is still a, a risk, so I'll give you that as well. Yeah, Triple D, we risk. got, we didn't, uh, our guests were uh, much better dressed than us uh, once No, again. I know for sure. <laughs> well, at least you didn't wear well the, today, Joel. At least you didn't wear the same t-shirt twice this week. Did I do it? I, uh, I, you I don't, don't have know. the Michigan. Sometimes I, sometimes I don't change my shirt during earnings season. <laughs> All, right, All right, guys. We'll see you next time right here. Pre-market prep, like always. Appreciate you, Joel. Special show. Look at that guy. We'll enjoy seeing you there, and we'll have you back like always. We'll see you next time right here on Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep every single morning, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern, where you guys get ready to rise and shine, and it's time to trade. Almost 9.30. You guys have a great trading day. Go blue. All right. Have a good one, team. See you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.